good morning. I'm glad I could be here with you this morning. I fight with this thing all the time. <laughs> it's going to beat me to death if I'm not careful, amen. If you'd open your Bibles, open me to the book of Colossians this morning, please. book of Colossians in chapter 1. Colossians in chapter 1. And I'd like to say it is a privilege to be back here again with you this year. And uh, I always thank the Lord for this church. I'm, I think the first time I met, um, I'm not sure what, what years I met Pastor Vasek, but I met his mom and dad in 1990 over in uh, Wingdale, New York. I was preaching a meeting at Dover First Baptist Church, and uh, and you guys came over with Pastor Bautelovitz at the time, and you sang, you know. And uh, their two daughters, and now their daughters got sons that are graduated, and his daughters got sons that graduated, and Pastor Batelovitz, and did, and then, uh, then of course your son and daughter are married and kids, and I tell you what, what a blessing it has been over the years to be involved with this church uh, from when it was over, and I think the first time I was at this church originally was when it was over there in Ridgefield. Yet, am I correct about that? I remember. And then you moved to somewhere else over that way, and I was there, and then we, we moved over this way somewhere, and I was there, and then you moved here, amen? And uh, boy, I tell you, what a blessing. We've been with a lot of churches over the years that have started out in storefronts, and maybe uh, 5, 10, 15 people, and then now the privilege to see them grow to where they're at now with as many people that they got coming, amen? And we see a number of churches like that around the country over the years, and boy, we sure thank the Lord for it. I have a friend in... Um, New York and Oriskany Falls. Oriskany Falls, New York, is is nowhere. Amen. I mean, it's just south of Madison over in that area, uh, south of Albany, uh, down in that general vicinity. And he started a church there five years ago. And uh, the first year they had the church, he took two storefront uh, rooms or buildings, and they put them together, and they remodeled the whole thing. And before the year was up, they paid $119,000 for their own building, which was an old factory that they bought. Then they put about another 30000 in it to remodel it and had it all paid by cash. And they were only running about 85 people, you know. And uh, this year, he's just finishing up a gymnasium over there, and it's going to be about a quarter of a million dollars. And they paid cash for all of it, you know. You know, God can use his people for a lot of things, can't he, amen? And, uh, and he started off with just a small group of people, and uh, that's just what God does. And the same way this church here just amazes me coming back and seeing all that's been done here, then it's still the property, and boy, what a blessing it is, amen, to be able to come back here and to preach and see the church is still functioning, the church is still standing. You can't say that about all the churches around the country today. There's a number of churches out there that have shut their doors, they've closed their doors, and in, uh, in areas where they need the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's good to see that there's still something here, preaching and teaching and sharing and giving out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me for a moment? If you're able to, I want to focus in on just one verse this morning, so you're not going to have to stand long, but remain standing when I'm done reading uh, for, uh, for just a simple prayer. He says here in the book of Colossians chapter 1 verse 27, he said, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, Father, thank you for your precious word this morning, and I pray that you'd use it to speak to hearts, Father. God, help us to receive from it that which would help each one of us. God, I pray if there's someone here today that has never been saved by your wonderful grace and never come to the salvation knowledge of Jesus Christ, 
that you'd speak to that heart this morning through your Holy Spirit, and that he would draw them and speak to them, Father, and that they, you would have your will done and that they would be saved today. We'll give you the praise and thanks now. Challenge us from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As I begin this morning, I want to focus in on this one word here in this text where he said, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, Brother Rob, if I walk away from the pulpit, is this still going to pick me up? All right. No, it won't. I'm going to walk away probably anyway. Amen. Oh, I, you, I, I can try it, but I don't think that's going to work for me. <laughs> I've never preached with one of them things. Can I hang that on my tie? That might work. Amen. <laughs> might have to give that a try here in a minute. We'll see. I'll try to stay here, amen. I, I am not a handheld, uh, handheld mic guy, amen. And uh, I, I would do, I would be terrible with it. Uh, I get think Brother Jenkins out, and, and I watch him preach. And many times we've been together in conferences in Michigan, and I watch, and that's all. He won't preach with a with lapel mic. He's got to have that handheld. And if it's got a cord on it, I've seen him twist himself up and still get out of it, amen. <laughs> This cracks me up watching these guys, but uh, well, praise the Lord. I'm going to look at this one word here this morning, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's interesting, when you think of that word hope, uh, sometimes you might, um, uh, younger folks in here might think, even some of the older ones, uh, I hope I get this for my birthday, or I hope that this happens, or I wish that that might happen, or I hope this will take place, and, and that I might get what I need, and I hope, and I hope, and I hope, and our idea of hope is a lot different than the idea of hope in the Word of God many times. In fact, if you had a Webster's, old Webster's 1828 dictionary, and probably, even if you looked up in a regular regular Webster's dictionary, you're going to find this definition. Part of it is to place confidence in to trust in with confidence or expectation of good, to trust in, or to know that it's going to happen. It's something that you put your trust in, knowing that it will be fulfilled. And he talks about the hope of glory, this word hope here, the idea of implicit faith or implicit trust in Jesus Christ, implicit trust in the Savior, implicit trust in one that can answer all of your problems and take care of all the difficulties that you've ever had in your life, and that's Jesus Christ. Number one, I'd like to share with you, if you go with me to the book of Titus for a minute, because I've got a couple of verses I want to look at this morning with you, Titus, right there before Philemon, and right there before the book of Hebrews, and the book of Titus in chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, he says this, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. This hope in, hope in Christ is a surety, this hope of eternal life. Can I tell you, he said, which God, uh, God which cannot lie, promised from the beginning. God who cannot lie. I want to tell you what, my friend, you must believe in Jesus Christ in order to be saved, because God has told you the truth. God has told you in his word that if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you cannot ascend into heaven when you die. He says, as a matter of fact, if you don't trust Christ as your Savior, you will ascend into hell when you die, or descend into hell when you die. He says, you need to know Jesus Christ in a personal way, this hope of glory, this hope Jesus Christ is a surety for you and I. We get a sure thing. I almost said a sure bet, but we don't believe in betting, amen. It's a sure thing. A sure thing for you and a sure thing for me. It's gonna, it's going to happen. I'm so sure. 
I'm so sure that when I die, I'm going to heaven, that I really don't want to be resuscitated. I'm just telling you the truth, amen. I mean, if I'm gone, if I'm gone a few minutes, let me go. Just leave me alone. I don't want to come back half brain dead, amen. I'm already half brain dead. That would take the other half, amen. I want to know, I know for sure if I die, if I fell over on this platform here today, if I fell over up here, and because from a heart attack, and I could, I got a very weak heart, I could die uh, preaching, it, it, I don't think I'm gonna, but who knows, amen, but if it happened, brother, I don't want to wake up a few minutes later with some man with his lips on mine trying to bring me back, amen, <laughs> ain't no way, just stay away, stay away from me, you, you, listen, you let my wife come up, you let my, you know, and if my wife walks like this, She's either mad or she knows I want to be in heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Just let me go. The hope in Christ is a surety. It is a sure thing. I know, I know without a shadow of a doubt that when I die, I'm in heaven. Why? Because of what I believe? No, because of what the Word of God says. You can't get away from the Word of God. Why? Because God cannot lie in every bit of this Bible, every bit. From the first chapter in the book of Genesis to the last chapter 22 in the book of Revelation, God has told us the truth. Every bit of it is real. Every bit of it is true. You must believe it. I believe every jot. I believe every tittle. I believe every comma and every period, every semicolon and every colon in it. Amen. I believe everything about this book because if I can't believe it, if I can't believe it all, then I can't believe any of it. He died for you and he died for me. That we might be able to have eternal life. Eternal life. Number two, not only is this hope in Christ a surety. Look at Psalm chapter 31 with me over in the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms in your Bible and the 31st Psalm in the book of Psalms. He makes this statement, Psalm chapter 31 and down to verse 24. Just one verse simply with you. He said, be of good courage and, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope. In the Lord. Not only is this hope in Christ a surety, but this hope will give you strength. It'll give you strength to go day by day. It'll take you through things that you never thought that you could, you could go through. And I want to tell you what, and God is, God is on the throne, amen. And He will take, I had to, uh, He'll take care of you. When I was in Florida this year, and, um, preaching meetings, I, my back was really messed up. It seemed like it was getting worse and worse and worse and worse from about January, December, January, uh, February, and, and March came, and the uh, end of March comes along, and I've been going to see a chiropractor, and, and he said, I, I think that uh, you'll be all right to get back to Michigan. I jumped in my truck and my trailer and started up the road, got about 200 miles away, and and uh, couldn't go any farther. I mean, I had a, I almost couldn't get back to where I was at. Pulled back into the church where I was at. Went to the hospital, and they put me through therapy for three and a half weeks. And the therapist said, "I think you're going to be okay to go." I was walking with a cane. I still walk with a cane. I got it in my truck. I didn't bring it up here today, but uh, you know, but I, I uh, was walking with a cane. They said, "We think you're going to be okay to get back." I get to the same campground, the same place. I know it's the same. Ferry's almost the same parking spot, amen, and pulled in and, and got, and I was doing great, got up the next morning, I was doing great, went in to use the rest of the room, and I tell you, my back went out, and I, and I had to have somebody come up and get my trailer and haul us back down to Florida with my trailer down to Orlando again and went to the hospital a second time. The doctor comes in two days later into the room on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock and he says, your back is a mess. 
He says, you need, a, you need surgery. What do you want to do? I said, surgery. So I'll see you in an hour. He took me right down and operated on me. And three and a half weeks later, I flew back to Michigan this time. Amen. And, uh, and, but, you know, that's gone. Now, I, I said that to tell you this. When I, when I have gone through things since I've been saved, I asked my wife years ago when we got married, I told her, I said, listen, when, when, if something ever happens to me, they are not allowed to give me uh, anything uh, like morphine or anything. I don't want it. I don't because I was a, I was a druggie. And I don't want that stuff in my in my body you know, because I was always afraid that I'd go back to it when I if I had it one time. So I don't take oxycodone. I don't take anything. I don't take a uh, whatever they call it. all. I don't even know what most of it is. You know. And they came in the hospital room and and uh, they said, uh, "Would you like something for the pain?" I said, "No, I don't want anything." And so we just, for three days, just didn't take it. I didn't take anything when my back was out. And I just, you know, I, I just didn't take it, brother. I just don't do it. And I tell you, I couldn't do that without God. Because he will give you the strength to be able to go. Now, I'm not saying for you. I'm not saying that's what you should do. Amen. I'm not saying that you should not take something. I'm saying that I don't. Because, because of what I was and where I was at. Amen. If they told me the only medication for a, for a, a common cold would be alcohol, I wouldn't drink it. I just I wouldn't do it. Amen. Why? Because I was a drunk too. Yeah. You know, listen, my friend. If they told me if you go out to break into somebody's house and rip them off just because you had a great need in your life, I wouldn't do it. Why? Because I'm a born again believer now. Amen. I'm saved by the grace of God. And God has done something in my life and something in your life. And he gives me that hope, gives me strength to be able to go day by day, regardless of what I'm going through, regardless if I have a job or if I didn't have a job, regardless if my child was in a hospital or if I was in a hospital, regardless if someone in my family passed away or did not pass away, God will give me the strength to get through whatever it is as a believer in Christ. And he will give you that same strength because he said, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that Hope in the Lord. Is your hope in the Lord? If your hope is in the Lord, He will give you the strength to go through what you need to through, go through and handle what you need to handle as a believer in Christ, no matter what it is. That's my God. Amen. Not only is this hope a surety and this hope a strength, but go to Psalm chapter 42 with me. Just a few more pages over in your Bible. Psalm in chapter 42. He makes a statement in Psalm chapter 42 that I want to read to you. I want to begin reading in verse uh, 1 where he says, The heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, my, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Hope will cause you to praise God. This hope will cause you to Praise God. Now, you might not praise God the way that I praise God sometimes. I mean, there's been times, brother, I've been in meetings and in a camp meetings and in church meetings. And boy, something gets me. If the music gets me, I've been known to stand up and say, well, hallelujah or praise God or amen. 
Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I, I mean, I get excited sometimes. Amen. I, I, I would do it in some church, but I'm afraid to scare half the people half to death. Amen. And at my church, or I attend in Michigan, our home church we've been with coming up on uh, 35 years and, and uh, all these years. And, and our, our, our people in our church pastor are, are very reserved. I mean, they are reserved. Now, we get two or three guys that say amen, but, but if I get going, I, you know, I say, amen, you know, and, and I, I get the looks, you know. Boy, do I get the looks. And I preach there all the time, you know. And our pastor one time, he said, Brother Mike, he said, you know, it's Sunday morning. We got a lot going on today. He said, can you think you can keep it just a little short? And uh, I think, well, brother, you know, an hour and a half is short for me, amen. And he said, no, can you keep it a little short? So when I got ready to preach, I got down on my knees beside the, the pulpit. I said, this short enough for you, brother, amen. So... <laughs> But it'll cause you to praise God. You ought to be excited about what God has done. If Jesus Christ has saved you, amen, you might not stand there and you might not shout, well, praise God, like I might shout it. But boy, there ought to be something in your face that tells people you're saved, amen. In fact, tell your face today. Face, say it. Face, face. I'm happy. happy. Praise God. God. That's what most of you are missing. The smile on your face, hallelujah. Praise God, amen, for what he has done for you in your life. You've got to thank God because he is the hope of glory. He's the hope of your salvation. He's your surety. He's your strength, and I'll cause you to praise him, amen, as a believer in Jesus Christ. I can praise God when I was in the hospital after I got back to Michigan after my back surgery. I'm just a mess, amen. You know, before I had uh, open heart surgery in 2008, I'd only been in the hospital two times. One's when I cut off a toe. Long story, another time. Some of you know it. The rest of you hear it later, amen. And then one is when, one of them is when I had kidney problems when I was about 10 years old. I was in the hospital. That was it. 2008, I had open heart surgery, and I've had about 11 surgeries since then, amen. Good night. I fell apart, hallelujah. <laughs> but praise God. So I had two nurses my last day. I was I go back to Michigan, and I started getting sick when I got back to Michigan. Coughing like crazy, spitting up blood, you know. The day I started splitting up blood, we went to the hospital again. I had no idea what was wrong. I had a high fever. Go to the hospital, and they said, we think that you're septic. you got two markers for septicism, you know, with pneumonia. And uh, I found out it wasn't. I just had pneumonia, but I just coughed so hard, it just broke some blood vessels or whatever, you know. And and uh, so three days later, I'm doing fine. Two little nurses are taking me. Two nurses take me out. I've never seen him before. One nurse uh, saw her and started witnessing to him, give him a track, talk to him about Jesus. And, and uh, she told me, she said, I go to a Baptist church, amen. And I said, what kind of a Baptist church? She said, independent Baptist church. I said, hallelujah, amen. <laughs> Just because you go to a Baptist church don't mean you're saved, amen. <laughs> so the independent Baptist church, she said, and I said, you saved? I'm saved, you know. And uh, the other one um, uh, was wheeling me down to my uh, truck after uh, after I uh, had uh, uh, after. Three days later, when I got out of the hospital, I was feeling better, you know. She's willing me down, a little dinky, bitty thing, first day at the hospital. And uh, she said, I saw that, I saw that tract. Well, nobody knows what a tract is, amen. If, if they don't know, you know, you talk about a tract, only if you're a believer, you know what a tract is, amen. And she says, she says, I saw that, I read that tract that you gave to the, the other nurse. And she says, it's great the testimony you have. I said, are you saved? She says, uh, she says, yes. She says, I said, where do you go to church? She says, a Nazarene church. I said, praise the Lord, a Nazarene led me to the Lord, amen. Isn't God good, amen. Well, I, I want to tell you what, my friend, we ought to be excited about what Christ has done in our lives. 
and let your face know it, amen, hallelujah. It will not hurt for you to smile. Some people say, I don't want to smile, I want to give them a piece of my mind. Don't give them too much, you ain't got much left anyway, amen. <laughs> hope is a surety, hope is a strength, and hope will cause you to praise God, and hope will cause you to look for the Savior. Go back to Titus with me again, please. Let's go back to the book of Titus, please, in your Bibles one more time back here. Titus. And look with me, if you would, in a very familiar portion of Scripture, uh, my friend. I tell you about Jesus Christ and what he's done for us in our, in our life and what he's going to do. He says here, in, uh, in, he says in, in verse uh, 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, in chapter 2, verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Looking for that blessed hope. Hope will cause you to look for the Savior. Now, I'm looking for him to come today. I really am. Because he can come. The Bible, we believe, don't we believe, as independent Baptists, we believe that Jesus Christ can come back any second, any hour of any day. We call that the imminent return of Christ. We believe any moment he can show up on the scene. He can show up on the scene right now, right here. Now, here's the thing. If he shows up on the scene right here, right now, I'm going with him. Amen. You're not going to see him physically at the rapture of the church. You're going to hear the trumpet. He's going to go. You're going to be out of here. But if he comes back now, he's going to bring us up to meet him in the air. And if I disappear off this platform and you're still sitting out there when I disappear, you've got the problem. You've got the problem because that means you have never been saved by the grace of God. But listen, praise the Lord. It's not too late because he has not come back yet and you're still breathing. You're not in the grave. You could get saved here today. Boy, what a great day that would be if you'd put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and call upon him to save you from your sin. Now, I want to tell you, I heard the gospel probably no, no, less, than, no less than 25, maybe 30 times before I got saved. Brother Steve, no less than that. I had some friends that used to do drugs and stuff with that got saved by the grace of God and witnessed to me after I got out of prison the first time or witnessing to me the gospel of Christ. When I was in prison the first time, somebody would write me letters about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I get out, they got saved, were witnessing to me. I went back to prison the second time and other people were witnessing to me. My wife uh, uh, was not my wife at the time, but Jenny uh, started witnessing to me through letters uh, in prison and other people started writing to me and, and witnessing to me in prison. I heard the gospel, uh, uh, Ginger, over and over and over and over and and over and over again. And one day it finally clicked. Now can I tell you what? I didn't have to have anybody convince me I was a sinner. I knew. I knew I was a sinner. Amen. Some people almost you have to get them lost before you can get them saved. Amen. And maybe you've been a pretty good person. Maybe you've done some good things. Maybe you haven't been uh, like I was. Praise the Lord if you haven't. Amen. Maybe you haven't been to prison. Maybe you haven't done the drugs. Maybe you haven't been a drunk. Maybe you haven't done some of these things. Maybe you didn't live an ungodly, wicked, uh, immoral lifestyle. Maybe that wasn't you. And I say praise the Lord, but my friend, no difference of what you've done, no matter what it is, no matter where you've been, you still need Jesus Christ as your Savior. Without Jesus Christ, no matter what you've done or have not done, you cannot enter in to eternal rest. You cannot enter in to the eternal kingdom of heaven with God. Because Jesus Christ died for you upon the cross of Calvary. 
and his hope will cause you to look for the Savior. If you're saved, if you're saved, it ought to um, keep your eyes up, ought to keep your heart in right relationship with him. You know, we, we say we believe in the imminent return. Let me ask you a question. Do we live like we believe in the imminent return? Is that how we live? Are we living our life like we believe? In combat? Boy, if we were, it would sure change a lot of things we're doing sometimes, wouldn't it? Amen? It would. If we really believe that, then it should change some things that we're doing as believers in Jesus Christ. It should make us want to live a little bit different maybe than what we're living. Do a little bit different than what we are doing. Hope is a surety. Hope will give you strength. Hope will cause you to praise God. And hope will cause you to look for the Savior. Amen. And I'm looking for him every day. I'm looking for him every day. Usually a lot of times we look for the Savior when we're in trouble. You know. I want to come back now, Lord. Amen. (laughs) I'm in deep trouble today. No, my friend, I don't think that's how it's going to happen. I think he's, going to, he's just going to come when he comes, amen, not because you're in trouble or not in trouble, but that ought to cause us to want to live right and do right, to serve him and to follow him and to obey him as a child of God. Hope will cause you to praise God, and it's a surety, and it's a strength for you and I, and it will cause you to look for the Savior. Then I'm going to show you another one. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 6, uh, please, the book of Hebrews and in chapter 6, a couple more pages over in your Bible from uh, over there from um, the book of Titus. In, the, in Hebrews in chapter 6, and we read this in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. He makes this statement, he said, Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now listen, my friend, this hope is, a, this hope, um, is your anchor. This hope is your anchor. This hope keeps me in the right place. This hope keeps me in the right place with my mindset. It keeps me in the right place with my heart. This hope keeps me where I ought to be as a believer in Jesus Christ. This hope reminds me continually, if I'm doing something that's out of contrast with the Word of God, this hope reminds me. Why? Because I'm, I'm anchored to it. And so I cannot get away from it, no matter what I try to do. Brother Joe said something in Sunday school this morning about you're saved and you can't do anything about it, amen. You can't get away from it. Once you're saved, you are saved. So why don't you just live like you're saved, amen. Why don't you just do what's right as a child of God? Someone said, I heard someone make the statement one time, I wish I would have never gotten saved. I don't understand somebody making that statement other than somebody who's stupid in the head, amen. Listen, my friend, Jesus Christ saved you and he died for you upon the cross of Calvary. Why don't you just turn it over to him and let him do in your life what he wants to do and follow him and obey him, amen. Just be the child of God that God has intended you to be as a believer in Jesus Christ. That we might do what's right, that we might follow him, that we might obey him. That Christ is hope, there's hope for me, and Christ is, is an anchor. It keeps me where I ought to be, it, it keeps me where I ought to stay. Amen? You're anchored to him. I get to think, when I think of an anchor, I was just up in Maine recently, last month, uh, the whole month of September, where you're up in Maine. And uh, you go by some place, the boat yard's up there. I know you got them down here too. You ever seen one of the great big old ships? You ever seen a big anchors? How many of you were in the Navy? Anybody in here was in the Navy at all? They got some big anchors on them ships, don't they? And that, I mean, and they got some chains. They got some chains with some links. Them, them links are huge on those things, amen? 
And, and I, they, they are big. I'm not talking about a little, uh, like when we went fishing uh, as kids or something, we'd, we'd take a coffee can and fill it up with cement and put a little dog chain in it, and that would be our anchor, amen? Uh, that thing ain't holding you nowhere, amen? In fact, that'll drag and won't hook, and it'll break the chain before you lose that anchor. But you're gonna, you get one of them great big anchors, boy, I tell you, that holds, it holds you in place. But Jesus Christ doesn't drag at all. You don't drag him through, you don't drag him through your life. He's got you anchored where he wants you. We ought to just learn to be satisfied in Jesus Christ. He's got you anchored to the right rock, amen. He's got you anchored to the right foundation, amen. He said, make, lay no other foundation. You stand that foundation. He's got you anchored there. You do what's right. You follow God. You be obedient to God as a child of God. Because he anchors you in the faith. He anchors you in the truth with the word of God. He anchors you through Jesus Christ. He anchors you there. Listen, listen. And he holds you there with the promise of the word of God that he is your anchor. Amen. He holds you in place where you ought to be held as a believer in Jesus Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians with me, chapter 15. 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, not only uh, in hope in Christ is a surety, um, not only, let me, get, let me get myself over there real quick, uh, not only is it a surety and, and not, only, uh, not only is it give you strength and cause you to praise God and cause you to look for the Savior and your anchor, but uh, listen, Hope in Christ should make you joyful. Amen? It should make you joyful. Look at me at uh, 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. And look down to um, 1 Corinthians 15. Let's look down to verse um, uh, 19, I think is what I want. In, in this life only, if we have hope in Christ, we are, of all, we are of all men most miserable. Otherwise, here... If my hope in Christ only lasts until I die, and that's all the hope I have, is until I die, and there's nothing afterwards, he said, then you're most miserable. He said, because our hope in Christ is deeper than just this life. My hope in Christ extends past this life. My hope in Christ takes me into heaven. My hope in Christ is an eternal thing. My hope in Christ is an eternal rest. He said, but if our hope in Christ is only in this life, then we are all, most men, just miserable. Because what are you living for then? If it's just now, what are you living for? If it's just now, who are you serving? I'm serving a Jesus Christ that is eternal. I'm serving a Jesus Christ that was there before the world began. And according to the book of John, he was there at creation, and the word was spoken in creation, and he made creation. That was Jesus Christ, amen. He spoke the word. He was, infor- he was involved in the creation along with God the Father and the Holy Spirit of God when the Spirit moved upon the face of the waters, and Jesus Christ was there to speak the word, and God the Father was there moving the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, amen. Amen. Hey, listen, my friend, Jesus Christ died for you for a reason, and he was there in the beginning. And boy, I tell you what, that ought to make you joyful. It ought to make you want to, you ought to make you want to shout glory to God. Amen. And like I said earlier, I ought to put a smile on your face. Hallelujah. It ought to do something for you. And there ought to be joy in your heart. Yeah, you know, I, I see so many Christians sometimes walk around like this. I mean, always, always complaining about every little thing. And what happened just having joy in Jesus, amen? If I didn't have anything, I still have, in fact, there's times I don't have anything. In fact, I don't have anything, amen? 
but still have joy in Jesus. Amen. Why? Because he's good to you. And he's good to me. You say, I don't see it, Brother Mike. Well, you, need, you might need to get saved to realize the joy of Jesus Christ. Amen. When I got, when I got, um, when I got saved, the night I got saved in that prison cell, I went down miserable, miserable. I, mean, I was miserable. Because you were in prison, Mike? No, because I was a wicked sinner. Amen. I, I knew, listen, I did my time, did one to 15 the first time, did a year on it, went back the second time, did a year and caught two years from the parole board because I was a return convict. Amen. And I was willing to do my time. I was looking, you know, if you can't do the crime, don't do the time. That's what they always said. And I was, you know, now I wouldn't want to do it today, brother. Amen. I'm saved now. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't mind going. I have a hard time even going to prison. In, in preaching, amen, <laughs> because I hear the door shut behind me and I'm jumping, amen. <laughs> I remember that sound, clank, clink, clank, clank, you know. Well, I tell you what, but I thank God that I'm saved, amen. And I preach in county jails and prisons all over this country. I've seen hundreds hundreds of men get saved in jails and prisons and county jails around this country. got the chance to preach in a prison in Papua New Guinea when I was there for three and a half weeks, Preaching, we saw 42 people come to Jesus Christ, amen, in that prison in one service. You know, and I'll make it joyful. Man, I'm, I'm so happy. You, you just need Jesus, amen. You, you say, well, he answered all my problems. He'll give you the answer to all your problems, but don't expect it just to get you out of trouble just because you pray, amen. I still had to do my time. I got up off my knees, man. I felt different. I got up off my knees, a, a newborn again believer. Got up off my knees, a Christian. Got off my knees, saved. Went across the hall the next. I've told this here before. Went across the hall the next day and knocked on the cell door across from me, twelve to fifteen foot away. A guy by the name of Chuck Jarvis is over there, and I told Chuck. Uh, he said, "Who is this?" Is Mike Patterson? He had the flu. He was sick in bed. Looked like death warmed over. I walked into his cell, opened the door. He said, "Come in." I opened the door, walked in. I said, "Chuck, you'll never guess what happened." And he looked at me. He said, "You got saved." He didn't leave me to the Lord. He surely didn't hear me pray because I don't pray the way I preach. Amen. <laughs> and he's about 15 foot away with a two inch thick steel door, two to three inches thick between both of us. There's no way he heard me, brother. And I just looked at him and said, how do you know? He said, I can see it in your face. When I got out of prison and about a year later, my Wife, I believe, Jenny, you were pregnant, right, with Rochelle, I believe, our oldest daughter at the time. And um, we go to visit a man who led me to the Lord in prison, Carl Noby. Led me to the Lord through a letter. Went to visit him in North Canton, Ohio, and pulled in his driveway. And went over and knocked on his door, and his wife, who's only about yay tall, she had one of, beer, uh, one of them beehive hairdos. Made her about this tall, amen. <laughs> but, you know, that's how she always wore her hair. I never, always wore her hair way up, you know. And I loved her to death. And I went over and never met her in my life. Knocked on the door. And she comes to the door and she says, can I help you? I says, I says, is Carl here? She says, no. He'll be back in a few minutes. She just had to run up town. And uh, she said, but he'll be right back. She says, um, can I help you? And she, I said, well, I'm Mike Patterson. And she says, the Mike Patterson that Carl led to the Lord in prison? I said, that's me. She said, oh, he's going to be so happy to see you. By that time, he pulls in the driveway, and his, my tongue's hanging on the ground now because he had a 57 Chevy, amen. Oh, man, was that thing pretty looking. Pulls in the driveway, and he gets out of his car. Opens up, he just looks at me, and he walks over to his wife, and, and she starts walking out of me. He says, who's this? She says, that's Mike Patterson. That's not the Mike Patterson I know. 
And I said, it's me, Carl. And he said, if you would not have spoke, I did not recognize you until I heard your voice. Because where there was hatred, I saw love. Amen. Amen. Where there was no peace, I saw peace. He said two or three things like that, you know. He said, I didn't recognize you until you spoke. Why? Because Jesus Christ, listen to me, Jesus Christ changes you. He changes you. He'll take a drunk who beats his wife. Amen. And turn him into a man that will be beaten by his wife. No, turn him into a man. <laughs> turn him into a man that will love his wife. Amen. He'll take a drug addict and pull the needle out of his arms. That's God. You know, I, you run RU ministry here. Amen. Praise the Lord. You do RU here. Great, great, great program. There was no RU when I got saved. But Jesus Christ helped me, amen. And he does the same thing in RU, amen. Well, I tell you what, my friend, Jesus is the answer. Psalm chapter 33, I'm almost done, but I'm not done, amen. <laughs> I'm just warning you ahead of time, almost done. Go with me to Psalm in chapter 33 in your Bible, the book of Psalms in the 33rd Psalm. It makes this statement, the book of Psalms in the 33rd Psalm. If I can ever find it myself here, we'll get there. Psalm 33 makes this statement down in verse 18. He says, uh, well, I say 33, I'm looking at 32, I don't want to know 32. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that have hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord, he is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him, because we have trusted in the, his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. Hope will show you mercy. Hope will show you mercy. Boy, I tell you, if anybody ever needed mercy in their life, it was Mike Patterson. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of mercy. Did you ever play when you were kids? Uh, uh, did you ever hold somebody down on the ground and take your knuckles and you... Uh, thump them in the chest. You ever do that, brother? Yeah. You know, we, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we used to do that kind of stuff all the time, you know. And we and we wouldn't quit until the guy cried, you know. <laughs> Anybody else like that in here besides me? How many of you ladies did that to your brothers? Come on, you can admit it out here. Oh, I got one admitting that, you know. Hell no, you just tortured him, didn't you? Just, was he younger than you? Oh boy, you tortured him bad, amen. I bet he's traumatized today, isn't he? At least he's letting you think he is, amen. Yeah. So you know, it, it, but we used to play that game mercy like that. That's not the kind of mercy he's talking about. Can I tell you this? God is not some bully on the throne. <laughs> Go like that on your life, trying to see how much you can take. That's not God, amen. But he's there, full of mercy, to help you come through, to help to strengthen you, to help you be obedient to him as a child of God. That's my God, a God of wonderful, tremendous mercy. Amen. And then I want to show you the last one. Without the hope of glory, you will perish. Go with me to the book of Job, right before the book of Psalms. Job in chapter, Job in chapter 8. Over in Job in chapter 8. 
It makes this statement, if you would please, down to just one verse, verse 13. Bill Dad the Shuhite was talking to Job and he makes this statement in verse 13. He says, So are the paths of all that forget God, and the hypocrite's hope shall perish. That means he has no hope. Those who do not know Jesus Christ have no hope. No hope. No hope. You know, you can't put your hope in a doctor, amen. You just have to put your hope in the Lord. The Lord is the one that will bring you through. You can't, uh, you can't put your hope in a job. How many of you understand that one? Amen. <laughs> hey, here, here's one for you. You can't put your hope in a car. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but you can put your hope in Jesus Christ. You can put your hope in Jesus Christ. He's there to help you. He's there to lift you up. He's there. Listen, my friend. If he hasn't saved you, he wants to save you. He's the hope of glory. The hope of glory. And he died for you upon the cross of Calvary. You know, I, 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 would, um, I would not have a problem giving my life for one of my grandchildren. Or giving my life for one of my children. Or, or I was preaching one time in my home when I was pastoring years ago back in the 80s. I made a statement from the pulpit. I said, I meant to say, how many of you would give your life for your wife? And I said, how many of you would give your wife for your life? And everyone that meant... <laughs> Every one of the men put their hand up like that. The next thing you heard was this. <clears throat> Amen. But I would give my wife, I give my wife, I almost said it. Amen. <laughs> Honey, I'll give you for my life. Amen. Just saying. <laughs> I would give my life for my wife. Amen. And maybe, 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 maybe just maybe, I'd give my life for a friend. Maybe. I got some friends I wouldn't want to give my life for, but I got uh, maybe, there's some that maybe I'd give my life for. Maybe even a stranger. If there was something I could do to help, not just laying my life down, but thinking I was helping, if it cost me my life, it would be different, you know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a hero. I don't know. Amen. I'm just saying, but Jesus Christ gave his life before you were born, knowing that you were going to be a sinner one day because you're born a sinner, died on the cross of Calvary, shed his blood, went to the grave, rose again the third day, that you might be, he defeated death, that you might be able to have eternal life if you just put your faith and your trust in him. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed.